children's vitamins, elder gods, and an uncontrollable urge. Join us as we answer this week's most pressing question. Do strippers take Venmo? I'm Boston, and this is Boston Makes the News. One hundred percent truth. Balanced reporting. No apologies. This is BMN, America's greatest newsroom. Welcome back. To those of you tuning into the show for the first time, welcome aboard. We have a lot to get to this week, including an exclusive interview with a local hero who works every day to bring people together outside of the politics of this whole affair with food. Hang around, and we'll get to him after the commercial break. Let's get to it. Twitter has decided to pivot away from keeping people coming into their offices permanently before you go off saying, who cares? Let's look at the significance of it. To those who agree, speculation leads to traffic reductions in urban areas dramatically, as many of these tech sector jobs are in dense urban areas. Originally designed as a means of attracting better talent from a larger pool, this system has become a malaise upon people's daily commutes. When a job can be done from home, might it be better to do so? Physical capital costs could decrease, as well as entire buildings becoming unnecessary. Commercial real estate costs will decrease, and as some people can more frequently get jobs that leave them at home, the demand for in-person labor will increase, and the supply will decrease, creating a net positive change in theoretical wages of in-person work. This is just a theory and may well be met with a decrease in average salary of at-home work. People will drive less. There'll be less carbon emissions. Some scientific reports are estimating as much as 17% during just this lockdown alone. There'll be less stress. Driving is a huge source, though it may not seem like it. Significantly reduced fatality and casualty rates also may be included. Though people will tweet more because their boss isn't around the corner. Tweeting causes Twitter rage. Twitter rage causes Twitter rage tweeting. And Twitter rage tweeting brings about the elder demon of Twitter rage, Blue Chektoth, the shadow band. All hail, Blue Check Toth. May his opinion forever be more important and virtuous than yours. Speaking of elder sign of the end of times, Nancy Pelosi took to the news circuit to defend the $3 trillion Heroes Act stimulus bill. Though unreachable for comment, we assume she is after our little dog Toto too. She claimed it was bipartisan and COVID-centric. The bill touts up to $6,000 in direct benefit to families earning combined under 150,000. Single 2019 filers at AGI of less than 75,000 may well be included. It contains $25 billion for the post office and guarantees them the entire business of all mail-in balladry as it mandates people will be given one, if desired, whether or not they have a reason. It expands to the national level the initiative to release all non-risky offenders under a certain age from jail. So let me get this straight. The HEROES Act guarantees millions of prepaid parcels to the post office, but they still need $25 billion to stay afloat? I don't need my junk mail that bad. For better or worse, our president has disclosed that he is taking hydroxychloroquine daily. He claims that he has taken many good calls about it and feels very positive. 
When presented with the spotty evidence of efficacy, he responded, I'm still here. This drug is currently used to treat malaria, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus, an autoimmune disease that causes pain and inflammation anywhere in the body. This news, when the speaker is in a position of trust, can be seen as a false authority, leading to people acting on this information. While it is on us to act in our own best interest and gather all the facts before blindly trusting someone as our hydroxychloroquine-inclined president, that speaker should be more aware of their role to play in the bettering of info and data clarity for everyone. That being said, I'm not entirely convinced that someone has switched his hydroxychloroquine for chewable children's vitamins. On May 12th, scores of goats flooded a neighborhood in San Jose. Residents reported a giant mass of seething, horned confusion as the exuberant bleeding of these bearded billies could be heard all through the block as some laughed, some cried, and most regretted not buying full coverage. Hey, look on the bright side. At least nobody will need to mow their lawns for a while. John Mayer is a well-accomplished blues guitarist. His skills and technical prowess have enthralled audiences around the world for quite a while now. He's now going to teach a 45-minute masterclass on blues guitar and writing songs. How cool is that? Let me know when he sets up the masterclass on getting Taylor Swift to write the songs for you. Ubisoft, the game developer known for their Assassin's Creed franchise, has made the historical portion of their games available free starting today on their new educational streaming service, You Be Too Tired to Teach Your Kids. In other gaming news, one creator has run out of patience for Zoom and instead holds her meetings for her editorial team in Red Dead Redemption 2. There's about an hours of mandatory gameplay and setup before you can meet the first time. And the game is rife with glitches that make meetings impossible, difficult, or just downright dumb. But even through all this, the creator holds this opinion. Zoom sucks. We started having editorial meetings in Red Dead Redemption instead. It's nice to sit at the campfire and discuss projects with the wolves howling out in the night. Maybe we can look forward to the days where our employers and supervisors will remind us that we are late for our 1v1 Rust performance reviews or quarterly update battle royales. Sure beats Zoom and Death by PowerPoint. Polar Cloud Backup is offering their lifetime 5TB remote drive subscription at a discount from $100 to $80 flat rate for life. That's an enormous homework drive. Think of all the assignments you could store. Diving further into the world of pop culture, the cult favorite band Devo has released the ultimate in personal protective equipment, the Power Dome Face Shield. Now you can look like and make inside jokes with your friends, dads, and answer perhaps the greatest question ever asked. Question. Are we not old enough to understand this joke? Answer. We are Devo. These can be yours for $50 a pop if you can get a hold of one of these hot tickets. Visa has applied for a patent for a process for turning physical fiat currency into a newly digitized version and have already been awarded a patent as of May 12th to detokenize crypto and other tokenized currencies. This would allow Visa and central banks to begin minting their own digital fiat currency. 
Modern monetary theory and modern trends of money manipulation allow countries with sovereign control over their currency, like ours in the U.S., to manipulate the supply and boost the aggregate demand wielding the levers of power to ensure unemployment stays low and inflation is controlled. For those familiar with the process, Bitcoin was essentially backed by the rate at which computers could decrypt data. The faster they could process data, the more coins were available. The more coins available, the less they individually would be worth all else held static. Ripple, tag XRP, was backed up in the benefit it had in translating and facilitating Forex transactions. Visa imagines a world that doesn't need physical currency anymore. I can see how it will dramatically lower costs and allow easier manipulation of the currency. But my question is, do strippers take Venmo, or do we just throw our phones on the stage? In a speech from the Oval Office, the president attempted to rally listeners around what is a major development in the world of high-speed ballistics, a missile that flies 17 times faster than our fastest missile at this point. That's really quite cool. But then he did a thing. He named it. Not just any old name like Tomahawk or Titan or Saturn. He named it the Super Duper Missile. The name given to a weapon that enables high-speed, low-drag, explosive disassembly should not be the same name a drunken frat boy calls his penis. While the Donald scours Tom Clancy books for better missile names, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. Life is hard enough when the crate and barrel says they don't have the chartreuse valences you pinned last week on Pinterest. You ask them to check in the back, but they just showed you on their computer. Sure, you weren't going to buy them that day either way, but the customer comes first. That's why you have OK Karen, the social app for the discerning social guardian. Its manager data suite lets you know where the manager is, their name, and their K-score from the moment you walk into your local Neiman Marcus. Now, you can get the quality of service you need at the rate you know you deserve from only the managers that will make sure that you come first. And now, we have a solemn duty to protect each other and ourselves by staying home and staying safe. It's what your grandson keeps posting on Tweety with a little red rose after it. So romantic. OK Karen 2.0 is loaded with brand new features that allow you to keep yourself and everyone else safe from perhaps the greatest threat to face this generation. Now, underneath your fingertips lies the power and the data to know when your neighbors are leaving their homes for non-essential tasks and if they are wearing masks when they do. Our new easy-to-use Neighbor Activity Reporting Center, or NARC, allows you to use your vigilance to protect your community from itself. NARC alerts the authorities to only the criminals you wish to report. We know that family comes first, so we never take your data. Get the service and the security that you deserve today with OK Karen by Stepford Softworks, the most trusted name in social engineering.
Okay, who writes these? What what two-bit rapscallion thought they could sneak this by me? When I find him, I'll... Oh. Really? Crap. Well, can't fire myself. Perks being the boss. On to the interview segment. When times get tough, sometimes someone special stands up to organize and help the community. This is exactly what happened in Huntington Beach with Mr. Hector Heck Valdez. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Excellent, excellent. So, um, so those who know you might know you in your in the beginning as a tattoo artist. How, how did you get involved with the industry? Um, I moved to Huntington Beach like 1994, 95, and I wanted to get tattooed. Um, so I headed to the local tattoo shop, Huntington Beach Tattoo, and I started getting tattooed. And growing up as an artist, I always wanted to have a profession that um, that involved art, and I. You know, at that time, I didn't know uh, tattooing could be a viable career. So I ended up uh, going from being a customer to being the shop apprentice to being an employee for 10 years um, after me walking in to HB Tattoo in 1997. So, yeah. Wow. It sounds like a lifetime of dedication to uh, to an art form that's uh, not necessarily the first thing that would come to mind. I've got some buddies that, that do it themselves now, but uh, they, they don't have the same kind of dedication. Uh, so the shop you currently work at is closed due to lockdown. Um, small service industries like hair and nail salons, tattoo parlors, barber shops, they're massively hurting right now. They they're not even allowed to open most of them. Yeah, so correct. How 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 has this impacted your place of business? Well, you know the place I'm at now, the tattoo gallery is closed for business uh, business per you know the stay at home orders. So, uh, you know, we. Money is hand to mouth. So if we're not working, we're not eating. So we have to come up with different creative ways to essentially bring that money in that we're losing out out by not being able to return to work. And, um, you know, we've gotten kind of creative. You know, we've sold gift certificates, uh, artwork. We've been commissioned to do artwork, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody's kind of doing what they can to, to hustle. You know, tattooers are natural born hustlers. So we, if there's a way to find money, we'll, we'll get it. So each individual person is doing what they can to, to stay afloat while you know, we're being told we can't go back to work until dot, 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 you know? <laughs> but yeah. And, and the, the end, the end date keeps moving and, and it's, it's easy to feel like you're not really like in control of anything. So I can see how something like your, your involvement in the, the essential movement through unity impact, uh, which we'll get to more specifically in a minute, but I can see how that might be something that, that drove you forward and said, you know what, I can take control of the impact of this on my life. Yeah. So how, how, how'd you get involved with them? What, what are they doing? Uh, so I was involved with unity impact. It's myself, Lorena Ortega and Stacy Massey. When the, um, when the hurricane hit Texas, we kind of put our heads together to see how we could help those people, uh, by gathering goods, clean supplies, um, clothes, essential products, et cetera, and ship them to Texas. So what ended up happening, um, this movement, my friend Misty and, um, uh, and Candace, it started small grassroots and we reached out to them to help facilitate this, uh, this endeavor. So it ended up, they just wanted to load up Candace's Dodge Durango and drive it to Texas. And, when this was all over, we ended up finding a, a semi truck and filled it to the brim and sent all these supplies to uh, 
to Texas for relief. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. So I found you through my fiance who was on a, uh, a Huntington Beach Facebook group uh, and saw that you were helping the community by by uh, leaving an open tab at restaurants. I was wondering what 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 drove you to to do that in particular. You know, what, why 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 was that uh, such a good option? Well, you know what? It ended up. Um, am I allowed to cuss on this thing or no? Should I keep it PG? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's going to matter. You take it easy, but you know. All right. So how about this? So some dude was talking crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> friend who owned a restaurant in Huntington Beach because of a political view that I think he misunderstood. So this internet troll decided to go onto Facebook and tell uh, everyone that he's going to boycott this place of business and he's going to suggest that, you know, his friends do the same. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because, you know, for one, you know, dogging somebody's business um, online and, and threatening to, to, to push people to boycott your restaurant. It's kind of lame, and especially the person who he was talking crap to. He's a friend of mine. He's from Italy. He owns this pizzeria that's bad ass, and um, he does a lot for the community. So my way of getting back at these internet trolls is I decided to take 100 bucks and go to the pizzeria and uh, buy $100 worth of slices of pizza to show this guy that, hey, you know, we're bigger than that, and nothing you say is going to hurt my community or my people who own business in the community. Well, that started to snowball into me leaving more money at local restaurants, uh, Grinders in Huntington Beach. And mm, that uh, place is good. Yeah, it's dope. Um, and that actually led to people messaging me saying, hey, I've, I've seen what you're doing. I want to put money on the books. That's what I call it, putting money in the books. Mm -hmm. So um, that snowballed into like every day I would wake up to 10 you know, people asking if they can give me money to go spread around you know, Huntington Beach um, uh, restaurants. And I mean, I've collected almost $2,000 in donations over the last week and a half. And I just start hitting restaurants that, uh, you know, that are local. I know they're family owned. Um, so it's a, it's a twofold kind of thing. So we get to support the restaurants. And then we also get to support people who might be out of work, who, you know, are strapped for cash and a hot meal or a slice of pizza or a burger from grinders just, you know, puts a smile on their face and like, Hey, you know, this is kind of cool. And in turn, they give back. So it's kind of like this, it's been this like snowball effect of just people giving and giving and giving and, you know, people passing up like, oh, no, I don't want the burger, but let me put 20 bucks on it for the next person. And it kind of snowballed into this this thing, you know, and it's uh, it's super awesome, awesome to watch grow, you know. And um, yeah, so it basically started off as something really poopy and ended up being something really awesome. <laughs> on on this episode of the show one of the things i'm intending to talk about is uh is assuming good faith and arguing from good faith and the idea that if you believe that someone is doing what they think is right rather than just being you know mean or duplicitous sure. uh, you can have these kinds of things happen and right. and that the the beyond just what uh Beyond what just happens when you say, okay, we've got things that are broken we need to fix, you stop looking at it in terms of dollars and cents. You stop looking at it in terms of you know, uh, broken parts, and you start looking at it in terms of healing people. Correct. And now a burger can go a lot further than you know, some, some kind of like program because it, not necessarily in the same direction, but it's like this forgotten piece of what makes small cities, 
like like ours, uh, just you know something special. Right. So that, that of course. You, you, I'm sure you've had people who didn't know more about your history say something about this. And of course, I did my research today, but uh, they say, hey, heck, why aren't you running? Why aren't you running for city council? Right. Sure. And uh, I found that you did. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you some questions about that, about, yeah. you know, what you had to do, what you learned. What, what, what about that, you know, resonated with you about that experience? You know, uh, being from the city, I love Huntington Beach. You know, I moved out here from Chino, California, and it's just a different lifestyle. Um, and I wanted to get involved in local politics to, to actually just to make a difference as, you know, as corny as that may, may sound, I really love the city and I wanted to make a difference. And I decided to, uh, to throw my name in the hat in 2014, uh, with the, um, encouragement of my friends, local business owners and family members saying, Hey, you know, you're a good dude. You're, you know, you're not skewed by, you know, any sort of, you know, politics or agenda party lines like you're just a genuine guy so i ended up running for city council 2014 you know we would go to these council candidate forums and you know they would ask questions or we would give speeches and they would pick your brain you know how do you feel about abc you know it's a you put a paddleboard up either yes or no so um and then just getting to to meet you know people in the community and hear you know what they thought was awesome about huntington beach and what some of their gripes were you know and in 2014, one of the hot button topics was high density, you know, so um, a lot of the locals were were saying that, you know, we were losing that small town feel in Huntington Beach and they weren't going to vote for people who wanted to, you know, build eight story, you know, high rises with multi-use, you know. Yeah, and they did that anyways, didn't they? But yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, but you know, eventually we were able to put caps and terms on the limits uh, as far as like how far, how high they can build how far out they can build, et cetera, et cetera. So eventually, you know, it's a kind of like a give and take, you know, you can't not, you know, let people develop in our city, but you can kind of put, you know, I don't know if restrictions are the right word, but, you know, restrictions to do it correctly. Um, so, yeah, so I started attending city council meetings and, you know, I was appointed to, uh, you know, so uh, let me rewind. 2014, um, I came in seventh out of like maybe 11 people running uh, it was a very humbling experience, you know, and uh, I'm grateful for all the 10,220 people who thought that I can make a difference in this town. So that was awesome, which led me more into kind of, you know, keeping my face around city politics. I was uh, appointed to the homeless task force in Huntington Beach. I was the chairman of that uh, task force. Uh, I was on the Allied Arts Board Committee and stuff like that. So I'm always around um, city hall and just kind of showing my face around town. And I think that's how people started, uh, noticing or recognizing me and my name is from running from city council. And I think moving forward to 2019, 2020, people remember me for kind of the stuff I've done. And that's where I think I still continue to have people support me in, in whatever my endeavors might be, um, you know, philanthropy or otherwise, um, I have a, a, a pretty good reputation. If you ask me in the city, just for being a pretty pretty stand up, just straight shooter. So I think that goes a long way, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny is, uh, I don't know you from your run. Um, in 2014, I was, uh, I was away in college, so I did, I wasn't paying attention to anything going on here as much as I would have liked to have seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was away at the time, but so the way I know you, I almost imagine you as kind of like a, like a Danny Trejo type figure, uh, right? which yeah. is, 
I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a huge compliment. I don't know. Well, well I think it's a compliment. Yes, of course. Like, yeah, you're you're one with the people, machetes, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, man. You can't. You can't. You don't. You don't mess with that guy. But he's also he's also there to promote the the good tacos. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. He's a sweetheart. You know, regardless of how the, the he looks or the facade on the outside, you know, you know, just genuinely, he's he's a he's a good dude. Well. The, the the well where he you know he has his his philanthropy and 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 he recently you know uh not recently but in the re, you know near few near past started a um a, ta- a taqueria mm-hmm. the, the kind of parallel i'm seeing here is now you've got a partnership that you're working on with slapfish and raw bar uh where you are uh where you're providing people with, I mean, you, you'd probably do a better job of explaining, but sure. let me know what you're doing with Slapfish and Raw Bar. What's going on there? So I've I'm known just here Andrew, in Sangria. Sure. So I've, <clears throat> I've known Andrew before he actually had the Slapfish uh, brick and mortar. Um, he walked into HP Tattoo uh, probably 10 years ago, 11, 12, 13 years ago, and wanted a tattoo. And at that time, I found out that he owned a taco truck, which was Slapfish at the time. Um, so we've remained friends this uh, this this whole time and done things back and forth. And um, he's done some really great community work, uh, feeding veterans at Johnny Saloon, et cetera, et cetera, on their JVO nights. Um, But I had this idea of making micheladas and giving them out to my friends, uh, making home deliveries. And that in turn turned into a Facebook post where, you know, I asked, Hey, I'm making these micheladas. If, if just out of curiosity, if I were to deliver these to your home, would that be something you'd be interested in? Well, that Facebook post kind of blew up and to the point where I might, my wife made me delete it because I got 70 orders for micheladas for the weekend. Uh, I don't know how you keep up with that. Exactly. That's my wife. So that I, in turn, said, okay, well, let me get this out of the house. So I hit up Andrew. I know Slapfish is open, but Raw Bar is not open. So I proposed, um, you know, to Andrew, hey, you know, can I use – raw bar to sling these micheladas out of and he said he thought it was a great idea we can cross promote each other i bring in everything and it's just a good way to you know to bring people in you know and uh and serve these drinks to go along with their burritos or tacos that haven't been really available in the past um so this whole time i'm doing this to supplement my income because obviously i can't tattoo so that's kind of how this all came about it's me trying to hustle trying to bring money into the house, hence making micheladas. I started giving them away. I started delivering them. And then that's when Andrew was like, yo, that's a great idea. You know, when can you start? So it's been a weekend deal. Um, this weekend will be my fourth weekend. So the first couple of weekends were micheladas. And then my wife was like, let's do watermelon, wine cooler, Capri Suns. And then that turned into last weekend we did sangrias. So then this weekend coming up, we're going to do all three. And man, each- where have I been? I don't know, man. Weekends. Where have you been? I don't know. I, somewhere between one video game and another, hoping that I can go out and play mini golf soon. I don't know. Speaking of mini golf, my wife's going to let me build a mini golf uh, course in our backyard. So when we get out of this lockdown, I'll invite you over. Dude, we have you're a living backyard. the dream. Yeah. <laughs> she said I could buy a drum set too, but um, I'm just going to let that one go for a couple more weeks before I actually buy it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so let's 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 take this conversation. Let's let's uh, let's get let's get a little hypothetical here. Let's talk sure. about let's talk about where you're going, sure. right? So, personally, stepping up to the plate for your community, uh, you know, versus 
protesting or advocacy, you can see there's a whole lot of contention around and controversy around protesting right now. And your direction was one that didn't partake in that controversy, but did an amazing service Mm -hmm. and also helped you take care of you and yours, right? That, uh, that blend of things, where's that going in the future? What, 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 I don't want to say what can we expect to see, but what what are you hoping to what are you hoping to do as time goes on with this? Is this something that's going to carry us for now, or are you planning to make something of this even bigger? You know what? I, honestly, man, I'm just doing it, you know, because of the circumstances and the hands that, you know, my business was deemed, you know, non-essential. This is what I'm doing right now to to uh, to stay busy and once again, you know, stay financially afloat. I haven't, to be honest with you, man, I haven't really thought that far. It's like every day is, is day to day. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want to put together some kind of, you know, crazy business plan where, you know, uh, I'm going to be this or that or these high hopes because, you know, in June or July, when I'm allowed to go back to work, I'm going to go back to work. I love tattooing. Like I love to tattoo and that is my career. That is my passion. That is my everything. Now, that being said, if Andrew wants me to work you know, a Saturday every other weekend at Slapish, I'm down to do that too because that's fun, fun, fun. I was going to uh, say, if you've got sangria bona fides, man, if you're if you're making them like the best, then you know it's gonna. I, people are gonna get. People are gonna be upset when when their when their micheladas and their sangria go the way of the dodo. Yeah, but the, but then again, it's like you know, it's almost like you know the Kogi Taco Truck. It it doesn't run on Sundays and Mondays or. You know, like in and out Burgers, not on every corner. It makes people want it even more. So when I come back, I'm like, hey, Hex, coming out of retirement, I'm a bartender again once every other week at, you know, Slapfish. Then maybe we can we can sell a crap load of those Michelotas or Sangrias or, or whatever the case may be. But to be honest with you, man, I haven't really thought that far. Um, it's no, like, no. Yeah, one day. One week time. Yeah, you know, but um, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I, I literally don't. I'm, I'm always up to entertain any sort of idea that's fun. And I can either make money or I can make money for other people or I can give away money or I can give away food. I don't know, you know, where I've got this ingrained in my head that, you know, I got to I got to keep keep helping people. But it's there and I can't stop doing that. I would hope that you never do. Uh, That's (laughs) it's it's one of those things. It's it's so underrated and it's so rare. And, you know, I I come from a, a background of of. Uh, an ideological background that in in business there there's no governing body that determines the essential nature of a business uh, right now your sangria and your micheladas are extremely essential you know why because you can't keep up with the people who want to buy them from you and that's right. justification in itself people want that it makes them happy makes them makes them feel like maybe these things just aren't so bad right. and i got to give you a lot of credit for doing what you can to help not just feed, uh, but also uh, in a more spiritual sense, heal the community, help kind yeah. of bring us back together. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here. I got to let you go, but I do want to thank you again. And I want to turn over, uh, I want to turn over the microphone to you. So if you've got something you want to say to folks out there uh, about what you're doing, where they sure. can find you, please take all the time you need. Sure. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, Heck Tattoo. That's H-E-K-T-A-T-T-O-O. And if you go to my last maybe two or three posts, I have this uh, shirt and this hat that I'm selling. 
um, and I'm calling it essential AF and there's also, you know, the true F word on it. And, um, I'm selling this merchandise and my goal is to raise $20,000 to give back to people who are not working because their businesses have been deemed non-essential barbers, um, masseuse, nail salon, uh, you know, people of that nature, tattoo artists, barbers. And, um, we have a process in which you can apply for this money. We're going to give back 100% of the uh, profits. Um, you can make a, uh, tax free donation. Um, so basically buying this merchandise is going to go back to the people who need it the most, the people who maybe can't collect unemployment or haven't received that stimulus check. Um, that all started with a friend of mine who was just upset that he, there's no help for him. Um, at that time and it literally broke my heart and that was the start of the essential AF movement It's more of a philosophy like hey, I know my job is not deemed essential, but as human beings we are all essential so if We could plug that and if you can go and buy a shirt or make a donation Just know that that money is going back to the people who really need it right now And that's what, really the only thing I would like to plug to be honest with you What's the uh, what's the website where people can find this just so I can here? It's a uh, 247merchshop.com. Okay, and the line is the the essential AF stuff, the branded essential AF hats, right. shirts. Right, and then you can see that on my Instagram page, and there's some links there for you that'll take you um, to the uh, to the cart to buy some some merchandise there. Right on. So I truly believe that uh, when people say we're in this together, it's not because we're waiting for someone to make a decision for us. It's because of people exactly like you. And I appreciate that. And I'm, I hope my listeners do too. Thank awesome. you so much for your time this afternoon, Hector. I, will, uh, I hope to hear from you soon. Very good. Thank you so much. You don't get to meet people that special every day. And I'm very glad to have gotten to take the time to interview this hometown hero for a masterclass in surviving in this current social dystopia. I greatly look forward to what he does next. In the spirit of both community reporting and fantastic segues, let's talk for a minute about the latest way we are told 2020 is trying to kill us. Murder hornets. If you thought 2020 could not get worse, call your local exterminator because we are being visited by the newest and invasive and dangerous species, the murder hornet. The Smithsonian describes them as a big, mean-looking insect with a potent sting. Their queens can grow to be up to two inches long, and their quarter-inch stingers can pierce normal beekeeping attire. They are also voracious predators capable of massacring entire honeybee hives in a matter of hours, decapitating thousands of the hive's adult bees and absconding with the helpless larvae to feed their hornet's own brood. Oh, crap. Typically inhabiting underground hives, the forested and rainy Washington state has been a relatively agreeable climate as they cross the Atlantic from Asia. While larger and scarier, Floyd Shockley of the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History clarifies that more people die of honeybee stings in the U.S. than die annually, globally, from these hornets. About 60 to 80 people die from allergic reactions to honeybee stings in the U.S. Only about 40 people die per year in Asia, mostly in Japan, from reactions to the giant hornet stings. 
That being said, they're still dangerous and do have the capacity to kill humans. People who have been stung compare it to a hot nail piercing the flesh. Shockley further suggests that they are not keen on blatantly attacking humans and behave more defensively. In 2013, however, 42 were killed when swarms attacked in rural China. It is noteworthy, though, that workers may have ventured further than normal into their breeding grounds, breeding grounds that were far more fertile than in previous years due to warmer than normal weather. Local officials suggested seeking medical help at 10 stings and treating 30 like a medical emergency. Really? 30 hot nails through the skin is what makes this a medical emergency? I'm committing... I'm... I'm considering going now just from the thought. Shockley doesn't predict major harm to U.S. beekeeping, but operations to trap and quash hives are still currently underway throughout the Pacific Northwest. This is all fine and dandy, but what the heck are we supposed to do in the terrifying event that we are costed by a horde of these gargantuan xenospecies? According to Quartz and Lijian, a professor of insect research at Northwest Agricultural and Forestry University, here are a few tips. 1. Stay away from their nests. This is the most effective means of avoidance and risk management. Eliminate the risk altogether. Aim for six feet away at a bare minimum. I would stay much further than that, if I was to be honest. Don't run. Number two, get low to the ground. Cover your head. Running can be seen as provocation, and these things are much faster than you are. Three, wear dark colors. Bright patterns and colors are attractive. Four, skip anything strong-smelling. Aftershave, perfume, cologne, alcohol in your breath, etc. The best advice here, friends and listeners, is avoidance. Nothing beats eliminating the chance of attack altogether. Notice the distinct lack of discussion about personal protective equipment here. Their stingers can pierce beekeeping attire, so that won't do you any good either. It's important to note here that they are cited as doing good for their ecosystems and our society too. Their venom can be used to treat arthritis and control other pests we don't want, like flies and bees. Although I take the flies and bees over murder hornets. Research teams are setting traps with screens, smoke, poisons, and other methods to help control the hornet population. But even the bees that are slaughtered wholesale to serve as fodder for the hornet's brood have a way of fighting back with sheer numbers. Normal bees have been seen completely engulfing hornets while pumping out carbon dioxide and heat to cook the larger hornet to good effect, but that only serves for the occasional scout. Bottom line, folks, don't piss them off and you should be fine. To do that, don't approach, run away from, or needlessly attract the hornets from their nests. This is not the crazy new pandemic story everyone thought it would be. It hurts like all hell, but is far less likely to kill you and people are far less allergic to the toxin. Keep safe, folks. Maybe try a route home from work that doesn't go through the elephant's graveyard of murder hornets. In closing, I'd like to leave you with some clickbait. Scientists have found a link between happiness and this one daily activity. No, ladies and gents, it's not what you may have thought. Sure, I know you went there, but the scientists were not interested in your philandery. They were interested in your scenery. Physical, intellectual, experiential, and spiritual. Exploring the unknown in all its ambiguity fills this role. 
Perhaps this has become a double entendre for the aforementioned delightful debauchery, but here it refers to calculated risk-taking, seeing new places, having new experiences, and generally mixing it up in ways you haven't before. In this current state of affairs, this may sound like a very difficult thing to do. How would I go about a camping trip, new hangouts, locales, seeing the planet, learning to interpret my world in different ways when I cannot even leave my home but for essential activities? Anything you can do will help, according to these erudites. Try out a new hobby. Take a new route home from work. Take a gamble on dinner. Cook with your significant other. Start a podcast. I've learned more about audio, writing, and marketing the last few months than I've learned in my entire life before this. I'm a skilled laborer and technical worker. Audio and podcasting were little more than pleasant distractions for my long commutes before I began this project. I imagine I'll have plenty of time to explore some content that I missed from my favorites on my way out to San Bernardino from Orange County tomorrow. Podcasting has gone from something that I thought only hipsters did to something I love deeply to something I sweat and bleed to be a part of. Without it, I don't know what my fiancé would tolerate my highly opinionated rambling and belligerent jokes. Long story short, it's worth it to pursue lofty goals and hobbies. Fulfillment is so in right now. Get after it. Let me know on Twitter at BostonMakesTheOne or hashtag BMNLockdownSkills and via email at BostonMakesTheNews at gmail.com. What have you learned and mastered during the lockdown? I'll feature the best ones on the show. I'm optimistic that people will continue to find ways to vary and enrich their experiences through what remains of this lockdown, and prepare to emerge after our prolonged, unplanned absences from our social rituals, friends, family, and loved ones. I have learned very much and have broadened my horizons through the creation of this show and through the observation and feedback of my friends, family, and online communities. I hope to share more of that experience with you as time goes on. Keep your heads up and your eyes open for every opportunity to make things better. We need that now more than ever. Until next time, I'm Boston, and this has been Boston Makes the News. This podcast would not be possible without you, the listener, you are the reason I can write this passable quasi-garbage into something I hope is worth your time. Please consider leaving a review on Apple if you're listening there. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify and request alerts for future releases. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at BostonMakesTheOne, number one, and via email at BostonMakesTheNews at gmail.com. I loved having you here, and I'd love to have you back again next week. See you then.